Welcome back to Corona Abolish, the social distance assistance podcast where we talk about ways to improve your mental and physical health during this COVID-19 pandemic. The social distance assistance crew is here today, including myself, Will, along with Amy, Lauren, Jack, and Ben. Today's episode is all about how professors felt about transitioning courses. But before we get to that, it's time for some small talk. So there's a few things that we want to talk about that uh, is in current news. First off, there are a lot of states um, reopening. Actually, I think um, ooh, New Hampshire. Yeah, New Hampshire is the last one to open, and I think they're opening this week. So everyone's in phase one, per se, of their uh, reopening stuff. Uh, southern states like Texas, uh, Missouri, um, I think Arizona, they're, they were one of the first uh, ones to open up. But since then, everyone else has followed the trend. And so there's a lot to say about all this stuff. Social distance assistance, what do you guys think about all of this? I know like where I live, I live in like Northern Virginia. So my governor had told us um, that the Northern part of the state would, you know, just um, stay closed for a few more weeks just because there had been some more um, increases in deaths while the rest of the state was kind of opening up. So that was kind of hard um, to see like people in like other parts of the region be able to go and see friends and, and go to restaurants and everything. Um, but the rest of us, like, up north, like, we still have to um, abide by, like, the stay-at-home order and everything like that because nothing is really open yet. Dang. I heard that since Texas has opened back up, they have yet again skyrocketed in cases. So mm -hmm. a lot more people are getting it now. And I think a lot of experts out there are saying that everyone's going to follow what texas has like their number one in cases now something like that mm -hmm. so i mean it's just like at what point do you risk you know people's lives uh for coming back into business and opening back up you know it has to be done at some time or you can't you know be on lockdown forever yeah it's definitely like a fine line that you have to try to you know balance but um yeah I don't know. I think we should be set by the fall, but then of course there's a, you know, study about how this might sort of come back up in the winter or early spring. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, I know it. People, experts have been saying there might be a second wave. Now yeah. they're saying people may get it twice. Yeah. Like they'll yeah. recover and then get it again. Yeah. So who knows what to believe? You know, online from other countries, what they say, because. Um, Countries like China, they falsely reported cases in the beginning. I know that they confirmed that they were not reporting every single one of the cases that they had. So it was a lot more, which is kind of bad. <laughs> and then now, like, with these children that you're hearing about who um, are having this immuno, immuno sort of response to the virus, um, it definitely, like, makes you wonder about schools and how you know, local governments will try to, you know, again, try to balance, you know, teaching children, but also making sure that their safety is their top priority. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. It almost seems like we're going in, in and out of phases where shut down, open up, maybe it's headed that way, who knows. But 
in regards for schools and stuff and governments and public schools. Um, I heard that they might go to like a split shift. So half of say you're in high school, half the high school goes in the morning and then no lunch because that would cause a lot more problems. Yeah. Um, that way they can have a classroom full of kids, but half so you could spread out more. And then the second half of the school would go in the afternoon. I don't know if you've heard anything about that. Yeah, I've heard about that. And that's how my kindergarten um, sort of structure was um, set up when I was in elementary school. Um, I went to school in the afternoon, um, so I had the entire morning to myself, and I would just, you know, hang out with my mom when I was a kid at that age. Um, yeah. So it was nice, and then I would just go to school and then, you know, come back. So I think it, it'll definitely be something to think about um, to sort of, you know, make sure that everything or everyone is, you know, um, within like a certain distance from each other and because yeah. social distancing is in effect. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I know with public schools, they can do that. And of course, they'll make everyone wear gloves or in a mask, at least mm -hmm. for sure. But public schools, you know, high schools don't have that many kids compared to colleges. What do you think colleges are going to do in the fall? I mean, there's way too many people, lecture rooms of 300 kids. How do you how do you social distance in that? Yeah, I think. um I don't know. I think you're going to have to have kids like sit um, like farther away from each other and, and like reduce the class size. Um, yeah. Like I know just for us, like trying to enroll in classes seemed a bit harder this semester for at least for the next year. Yeah. Um, because I think it looked like they were reducing the amount of seats within the class. Um, and I think that is in part due to, you know, everything going on. Um, mm -hmm. I think obviously there's going to have to be more online, you know, classes. Yeah, I think that's one thing they might do that feels right, where if you have a class that can go online mm -hmm. and makes sense to, then they will and only have uh, the ones that you need to go to class and like do labs or something. Those classes will stay on campus. Yeah. Like for us engineering students, I mean, all of ours from now on are almost project based and we have to go to campus. Yeah, I know there's also like theater kids, um, art majors, stuff like that. Yeah. They really need to go um, in person and sort of get that, you know, get the learning that they need for their like projects and work and everything. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see like what majors like go to class and what majors don't go to class. Yeah. And then it's some schools are committed to going back to campus and then some are committed now to just staying online. You know, it's it's a it's a time of uncertainty right now, at least, you know. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks, Ben, for that update. Now it's time for our interview with our engineering professor, Dr. Noggle from James Madison University. How are you today, Dr. Noggle? Oh, I'm doing quite well, thank you. How are you, Amy? I'm doing good. So to kick things off, can you tell us and our viewers a little bit about how your background in mechanical engineering and how you decided to focus on teaching engineering to college students? Sure. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm a tinkerer at heart, and so going into engineering was natural for me. Um, and uh, the only real decision was 
what area of engineering I wanted to go into. Uh, admittedly, I applied to different programs at different institutions um, for a handful of reasons, but um, I ended up uh, at an institution where I was accepted into the mechanical engineering program, and uh, I found it to be a really good fit. Um, I'm, I'm pretty hands-on. I like to work with um, wood in a, in a shop environment, and uh, that particular institution fit well with my uh, interests. Uh, when I came time to graduate, though, I wasn't really excited about the types of jobs I saw um, employers for at the career fair. And so I started thinking about how to reposition myself, and I decided to go to grad school. So at grad school, uh, after some exploration, I stumbled into the area of design theory, which allowed me to really explore um, the underlying theoretical constructs of design, which uh, as a tinkerer um, actually fit and made sense for my interests. I did that for um, a couple years, and while I was doing that, I got asked to teach their first year intro to engineering course. I taught that um, a number of years as the instructor of record uh, at um, University of Missouri Rolla, now Missouri University of Science and Technology, and kind of just, you know, got super excited about it. Uh, it was one of the most fun things that I was doing as a grad school uh, student. I liked it a lot and decided I wanted to be an academic. Uh, so followed that path, uh, finished my PhD at Oregon State, and applied to primarily undergraduate institutions across the country. Uh, opportunity at JMU came up, and I, I jumped on it. Uh, my wife and I moved out here. A year later, she got on the faculty, and we've been here for 10 years. Awesome. Thank you for um, wow. telling us about your background. Um, so after hearing that JMU would be switching to online classes for the remainder of the spring semester, um, how did you try to incorporate new methods for online learning? Well, I really stepped back and thought about what the objectives of the course were. Um, I looked at what it was that we were trying to accomplish in our Design 2 class and how I might be able to do that in an online setting. And so from the course objectives, what we were really missing was going to be the testing and refinement phase. I decided that I could cover that by content. And so then that left me some additional time in the course uh, for what I would consider more of a sense-making activity. Um, and that would be actually constructing, uh, testing, and giving to the client the final design that you've spent almost a year making. And so then, if sense-making was what was missing, I really wanted to find a way to, to provide my students with a sense-making opportunity uh, in their current situation. And so the opportunity arose to work with industrial design uh, on a uh, resource redeployment activity where the students were 
themselves, the designers, and their resources. And so the students got to explore the COVID-19 situation and identify their own path toward making sense of COVID-19 and the situation they found themselves in. So for me, uh, it was really about using the tools of design that we had spent, I don't know, five months, six months together learning and use them in a new way to make sense of our current, uh, our current environment and, and learning experiences. So that, that to me was what online learning was all about for my design class. Okay. Awesome. And then to piggy off of that, do you think that this change to online learning has been positive or negative for um, students? I think it's been different. Um, you know, if, if my students had stayed in the class, they would have proceeded to make uh, an alpha prototype of their design. They would have proceeded to be able to test it. They would have gotten safety feedback and been able to work with that. So there would have been a lot of positive gains uh, in that um, environment, working with nine to 10 students to try to make a final design that someone could actually use. They didn't have that, but they had something completely different, right? They were able to explore um, the problems that they saw and they found and apply the entire design process and actually produce something at the end of that. So they were able to go through that entire cycle um, a, a second or a third time. And so in some ways, they've learned new, skill, new skills and they've reinforced old skills. And so I think at the end of the day, it wasn't positive in the way that I had originally intended the class to be positive. But I do strongly believe that it was positive in a different way. So they've learned skills that every other graduate hasn't had to learn. And that will be strengths as long as they choose to look at them as strengths. Right. And yeah, um, thankfully, at least for my management group, we had actually been doing some practice with exactly what we had to do when we transitioned to online learning. We did a lot of um, test runs for WebEx calls, um, whether everyone in the class was on the call and we just all sat at our respective tables, or we even did one point where everyone was at a different location, whether that be in their home, in another classroom, in a little office space, whatever it was, and we tested it through that. So, you know, um, even though, you know, we started to learn how to um, kind of work together as a team through the COVID stuff, um, it was kind of coincidental in a good way that we also had already begun learning about how to do this stuff. And it was just kind of, I thought it was just kind of funny about how, you know, before we were first to learn how to work through this online space, we had actually already begun just, you know, a few weeks prior. Um, and so I had um, a question that is specifically geared um to, uh, towards sophomores and the impact it has on us in the engineering um, program. So how do you think 
this has impacted sophomores specifically. Um, you know, all of us are in the what is I've been told um, one of the hardest semesters uh, going through the engineering department, the spring semester of sophomore year, and it's also the semester right before um, we are then able to join the program. How do you think this has affected our um, class specifically? Oh, time will only tell, Will. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, through having a common design experience, I do believe a strong sense of community is built uh, amongst the students. Uh, you learn everyone's strengths. You learn weakness. You learn how you can rely on each other. Um, I'm hopeful that this common experience is going to provide some of those same uh, foundational building blocks to you all as a community. And so I think I'm hopeful that uh, when we cycle back next year uh, and you're all juniors, that from my point of view as an instructor, um, you will all be a bit more resilient than you were before, a bit more um, cohesive as a community than you were before. Um, you all have common uh, sense, shared stories and sense making that you've been through. So that should give you um, common elements of, of self and se uh, an individual um, that I think is going to really help you all move forward together. So personally, I I believe that you will all come back and be successful juniors and seniors in the program in the same way that every other sophomore has moved through the program and comes back and is a successful junior and a senior in the program. Yeah, and um, so you're talking about um, how that could help us be successful in the future. Also talking in terms of the future, um, what are some ways or some things that you might do differently in future classes after learning how everything and everyone has worked during this pandemic and um, this major movement to online only? Do you think that'll have an impact on the way that you teach classes in the future? Or do you think you'll resort back to um, the way that you taught, you know, two months ago and any time before? Well, no experience makes one the same after the experience. So I know that things will change. Um, so it's maybe easier to answer what have I been reflecting on. Right. Uh, yeah. I've been reflecting on how Canvas really didn't allow me to have the types of communication with my students that I wanted to have. Everything was slow and bounced from uh, one website into my inbox and required me to look at an inbox and then cycle back to a website. And so uh, moving to a platform like Slack or Teams really I think is going to allow the type of seamless communication that I'd like to be able to have with my students where you know if they have homework questions at seven o'clock at night I can set aside 30 minutes to answer questions and be at home. I don't have to go to campus. And I never thought of it that way before. 
I always thought, well, I need to have my office hours or my studio hours, and that's when I see the students. Yeah, I can say that this whole thing has shown me that if I want to set aside 30 minutes in the evening to be available when I think my students might be working on their work, I can do that. And by having um, a synchronous communication stream with something like Slack, they can tell me they need it. So if, if I don't see any messages pop up, then I don't have to sit down to, do, to, to go into that, uh, into that WebEx room. So that in itself has been really kind of a game changer in terms of how I communicate with the, the sophomores. And I think I will carry large elements of that whole learning experience forward. Um, yeah, and that sounds like it would, at least for me, I know that would actually have a really positive impact on my learning because I know, like you said, during the nighttime, that's, for me personally, that's when I do a lot of work is I get home, like from campus around like five or six, and then I start working. So I know that would be something that's really useful for me if I could uh, contact a professor like yourself at that time and be able to get a response um, in a somewhat like timely manner. Yeah. I know like bouncing off of that, like in the past, um, you know, before COVID, whenever I wanted to see a professor and go to their in-person um, office hours, you know, I would go to their office and ask a question and then go home and then think of 20 other questions. So I think having those online office hours, um, those were really helpful for me because I could obviously think of all the things I need to ask to my pr professor before, you know, going into the session. Um, so that's one thing I really liked about your class, um, Dr. Noggle, but yeah. Um, thank you so much for being here. Um, this was an amazing opportunity and we just want to thank you for giving your perspective as a college professor um, teaching during a pandemic. Um, and so before we end our show, we're just going to close out with our daily tip. Uh, here's a tip for you guys out there. Next time you're sitting on the couch board, instead of going to the next episode on Netflix, try doing at-home exercises. There are many great apps out there that are designed to help people in your shoes, like Nike Training Club, Swift, and Fitbit Coach. These great apps have infinitely many exercises, and some even have schedules to help you out. And now, here's Ben to wrap up this episode. Thanks, guys, for listening to our podcast. We hope you learned a lot about staying connected and having fun during these weird times. So stay safe, focus on your health, and remember, the social distance assistants are here to help. See you next time.